You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Aloha all, it's Rick Bassman up here in the upcountry of Maui on a beautiful spring day. Man, it feels like um, it's pretty dramatic spring this year. This, uh, this world's been going nuts. I don't need to say any more than that. We all have our own uh, viewpoint and experience of that, certainly. Um, one thing I think we saw, though, across the board that we can all agree on is there's been just so much negativity and so much doom and gloom everywhere we look, whether it's talking to our neighbors on the street, the mood we see in our town, wherever it is we may live, social media, however you get your news. It's just so much negativity everywhere. And I, I don't know about you all. I, I sense a change coming. I hope there is one coming. Um, it's led by certain types of people, I think. And we, we saw those people, I think, emerge at their brightest during the recent dark times that we've had. Now, what could be worse than experiencing what we experienced these past few years here in this country, watching the mood deteriorate, being affected by COVID, all the isolation and depression that comes along with that? What could be worse than, add, than adding, I'm sorry, a life-threatening cancer diagnosis to the mix? And you know, people that went through that during these times, some of them emerged, in my eyes at least, as true heroes. And uh, true shining lights, true examples of, of the human spirit. And these are people that came at and accepted, not accepted, they certainly accepted their fighters, came out and faced what they had with not only resolve, but with, you know, such like a positive spirit that they couldn't help but motivate and inspire the rest of us. One such person is someone I've had the pleasure of meeting just recently, who's really gone through it. And in other aspects of her life still is, aren't we all? But um, in my limited experience with her so far, and I, and I hope we'll become better and better friends, my, my take on this person is just a, a genuine joy for life, an inner strength, um, a, a deep and fierce intelligence that takes in what's around her and meets the negative with any positivity that's available. And with that, I am happy to introduce today to our Talking Tough and We Win audiences, my new friend, Benita Butler. Mm -hmm. Hello, everybody. I'm Mr. Rick. Hey, that was so, so sweet what you said about me. And, and I was just nodding because that is, I feel exactly, you like said everything that I would probably say about myself, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, I a point so far, yay. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I typically don't do much prep for these things, um, only because I want them, not because I'm lazy, although that might be part of it. But it's more because I want them to be real and be organic. So mm -hmm. I put zero thought into what I said prior to the introduction. So I was just speaking, you know, organically from what my take is about you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we're uh, so far so good. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> right. uh, what's going on in Florida? What's happening today? Nothing. I mean, like I have been trying to keep myself busy. And today was a day that I wanted to just take it easy. Um, I recently moved in with my my mom and um, just kind of got my own little space outside of her home, made my own little she shed. I'm in my beehive, the beehive. Beehive, Anita, nice. Yeah, yeah, so I've been in it a, a week now and um, it's, it's, it's a nice space. And um, yeah, so I, I just put a lot of energy into it and my body just needed a break so today i gave it a break and i just went to my the place where i it's like my little gas station is <laughs> where i refuel and re-energize and and so i feel great now i had a, a nice beach day oh you're at the beach okay cool yep. cool and did you uh did you get into the water today i did i did it was it's for me being a floridian it was cold um we normally don't the Floridians normally don't get in the water until like the end of May, pushing right. summer. But uh, it was nice today. It was nice and chilly. It was like refreshing. So I did get in once, you know, like a just nice little 
for me. <laughs> well, then, yeah. Benita, so, you picked the SHIT out of cancer. I think you could probably handle a little cold water. Huh? No, you, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You, you weren't uh, you weren't crying like a baby the whole time. No, no, I just did it. You got to just go in, just yes. do it. Yeah. Yes. You know, when I lived in um, when I lived in San Clemente, this is in Southern California. My office was a two minute run from uh, the ocean. And mm-hmm. the reason I know it's a run is my two workers, Todd and Anthony, we, they were commanded, this was a order from the top, which was me, to bring mm-hmm. their board shorts to work every day. And mm-hmm. at a certain point of the day, we'd be like, okay, let's go. And we'd change, we'd sprint down the hill and dive into the water. It could be pouring rain and freezing. And it's just something we did every day. Well, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like for the mental exercise more than anything. And, you know, yeah. I know you know something about that. So, so sorry, what's that? I, I call it like beach bums. Like we go, like we just go to the beach. We love the beach. We live kind of like, you know, sound like peace of mind. Yes, the ocean does, does bring that. And I want to get into all, you know, what, what can bring people peace of mind when they're, when they're facing tough times. And we will get into that for sure. But mm-hmm. I would love, if you wouldn't mind to, um, you know, tell us, for lack of a better way to phrase it, your your cancer story. And uh, please don't, um, you know, don't pull punches. Don't worry about making it sound uh, easier than it was. Feel free to go the other direction. And the, the reason, because I, I know your story, and I know how hard it was. And the reason I sometimes would, would encourage you, any, anybody on the show, to say, make it sound awful, you know, as long as it's truthful, of course, I, I would say make it sound awful. Because people out there who are in it right now, what they're going through to them is the worst thing in the world. And I know you know that feeling too. And I think it's good when they hear from people like you, from I, in graphic, gory detail about what it was like. Because they go, oh, but look, she's doing so great now. She went to the beach. Right. She looks amazing. So let us let us have it, please. Tell All us. Right. So, yeah, so my name is Benita Butler. I'm 39 years old. I turned 39 April 3rd, what, four days ago. I have three children and I was married 17 years. I am now going through a divorce. Hopefully it should be everything done at the end of the month. Let's rewind a little bit. So, um, you know, about, let's say uh, 2017, you know, me and my husband, you know, we were having a disconnect. We knew our time was kind of like, we were just kind of going our own, like it was just mentally, everything was just, you know. So anyway, um, we decided to have a little separation. Like let's just take a break. Like you can hear, you just go to your mom. We'll still deal with the kids. Like they won't really even really, we had a very busy life. The kids are all in sports. You know, I'm trying to be team mom. He's trying to coach on the side and we were both working. It was just like, it was for me, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I get some peace, like not peace, but I'll, I'll be able to like, just go and have like that me time and then still, you know, be back and forth. We, it worked great. In that, the midst of that, I did get a breast augmentation as a, a nice treat for myself after having three children. Um, just a revamp, you know, I did that before we separated. Um, during the time before we separated, right before I was massaging my breasts, they, when you get them done, they're nice and firm. They tell you to massage, you know, like just, I felt something, you know, I felt something hard, like, you know, and, and, and it was just like, it didn't hurt and I was pushing on it. I'm like, what is this? It's at the bottom of the right portion of my breast. And I'm like, what is this? And I thought it was like, maybe they dropped something like a piece of metal. Like when they did the surgery, it felt like hard as a rock, like, and it didn't move. It was like in one spot. It didn't, I was like moving, you know, so, and I brought it to the doctor's attention and they had mentioned something about um, scar tissue and just, you know, I'm, I'm so super healthy. Blood work came back great. No cancer in the family, just my grandma just celebrated her 83rd birthday on the 1st, April 1st with her, took her to lunch. She walked right in, you know, so everybody's doing well in my family. So I, you know, they brushed it off. I brushed it off. So here it is. I set me, I ended up separating from my, you know, with my husband, um, coming to my mom, 
just started, you know, telling myself, okay, you know, I'm going to travel a little bit and just see, you know, I just started just doing things, living a little bit. And then um, I noticed that that nodule was like getting bigger. You know, I would lift my arm and I would see the nodule like coming out of my breast a little bit. And I'm like, it's, it still didn't hurt, but I knew something was wrong. Yeah, you, was growing. At that point, something's wrong there. Yeah. 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 And I wasn't sick. You know, I was still very super active, you know, starting to travel a little bit. And um, so anyway, uh, I pushed for more tests and, uh, you know, I went in. Did a little uh, with the, the ultrasound. They did a little ultrasound. So speaking of, in the midst of that time, I had already traveled to Dubai. I went to Africa. <laughs> I went to Jamaica and like I went to a nude resort. You know, I did that with a girlfriend, and we just just like a mommy trip. <laughs> like it was nice. Um, right after that trip, that's when I. Um, came in and went in and did, uh, you know, ultrasound and a biopsy. Went in, like, you know, everybody's, like, telling me, oh, it's going to be benign, you're healthy, you're beautiful, you know, you're hearing that and all this. So I'm a few days later, I, you know, I got called in for the results. I'm thinking they're going to tell me it's benign. I'm going to go on about my day. had a list of to-dos, you know, to go in there and get this result, go about my day. And when I went in there by myself, just sitting there thinking it's going to be in and out, um, the doctor did come in there. And that's when um, they told me that I had cancer and I almost fell out the chair. Like I was in complete shock. Like what? You know, I'm like, didn't know anything about cancer. Didn't, didn't know a soul. I don't, to this day, I don't even know many people that have cancer you know what i mean like that i can talk to but I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry i might interrupt you a few times i tend to do that oh you're fine i think you want to back up for a second so you went in and you got the news so you said you were in complete shock can you like really like if possible i know it kind of puts you on the spot okay can you, go, can you go into yourself a little bit for a moment and I, I, yeah. download what that really felt like and what you were experiencing at that moment okay so i basically and she told me she first of all I was a little upset because I was waiting in there for 45 minutes. You know, and I'm like, dang, what's taking so long? Tell me I'm good and like so I could go, you know. So when they came in there, and then that's when she came in and, and she was shaking her head and I'm looking at her and she's like, You have cancer, you know, I'm sorry to tell you. And I'm like, What? And then all I know is I just remember I I went off on her. I didn't know this doctor, you know, I just I went off on this lady. And I told her she didn't know what the hell she was talking about. And I wanted a second opinion. And, you know, and, but she was like kind of telling me that, you know, she thought I found it early and that, um, you know, she didn't even think I was at the first stage. You know, it looks like more of they can go in. So she started just talking like what we could do about it. And I thought that was, she didn't even really give me a chance to process because all I remember hearing her say, was oh we can go in and we can take, you know, uh, you know the knot nodule out and or we can remove the breast and in my head I'm like wait a minute I just paid, you know, <laughs> like, these boobs they're not even a, like two years a year old or whatever you know and I was just like what wait a minute take my breast and then and then she said well it, it, to be really sure we could take both and I'm like that's when I right. I was like wait the hell a minute. Like, I was like, wait, I just remember going off on her and I just told her that I wanted a second opinion. Give me my paperwork. I'm out of here. And and like she was just kind of afraid and she just went open the door. I was like, hey, give her her paperwork, whatever. And I just took my paperwork and I went into the car and that's when it hit me. It like hit me like I couldn't even drive the car like I. That's when the tears and I started crying and I, I went into like complete shock where something told me to just get home, get home. Like I started driving so fast that as I pulled out of the hospital, not even a minute away from the hospital, I got pulled over by a, a, a police <laughs> in, a, in a motorcycle. Yeah. And then when he came up to my car, you know, I was 
in complete shock. And all I did was unroll the window and I was like, I have cancer. You know, I just said that to him. And he was just like, what? And I was like, he asked me for something, but I ended up handing him the paperwork that the doctor gave me to him, not processing that he was asking for like my license. license. Yeah. <laughs> and all I know is, please, ma'am. Yes. So he took that and he was like, wait, wait. And he said, he held it and he was just like, wait, wait, wait. He was like, I said, I just came from the hospital and he told me I have cancer and then I'm crying. And he, all I remember him saying was just, ma'am, just calm down. You just, you know, just calm down and give yourself a few minutes. And he stood there and he was just like, are you going to be able to make it home? Do I need to trail you home? Do you want to follow me or whatever? I was like, no, I'll make it home. I'll slow down. No, and then he let me, yeah, he let me go. I, I, I know he said I was doing like tw 20 over <laughs> like because I just was driving well, in the shop. It's nice to yeah. hear stories of intermittent decency and miss amidst all the madness you know yes especially with law enforcement given yes so oh i was definitely getting a ticket when they pull you well, over the, you, know, you know what that's your that's your first blessing right there yeah oh yeah oh yeah i'll never okay. forget that so right. and, and then what happened um i just remember calling my mom first your mom was your first call yes and then my soon-to-be ex-husband was my second call. How did that and go? Then, um, I mean, he was in shock. I mean, he could have came to the come came to the appointment with me, but he, you know, he had like work obligations. But it was at, he was actually working from the house that day. So in my mind, I think I had made everyone believe that it was going to be like benign because I just, you know, I didn't like that it wasn't going to come back that I had cancer because I didn't even push for him to come to the appointment with me. I was just like, oh, don't worry, you know. I want, I want to back up again. I'm sorry. This is my mom. Fine. And it's a topic that comes up a lot, you know, the, the topic of fear associated with a potential diagnosis and all that sort of thing. We talked about it on the phone the other day a little bit, how we both had recent scans and how we deal with fear if, it, if we deal with it at all of, you know, upcoming impending results and all that. So when you went to Africa and Jamaica and the nudist resort, yes, I heard that. Um, yeah. when, when you went to these places, um, had you already scheduled these tests? I'm glad you said it because it's I'll funny. You, because I'm wondering yes. what's on your mind while you're in these places. And, and I scheduled the test the, right before um, the Jamaica trip. You did? Okay. I had Jamaica and Alaska. Back so you knew back. it was coming. You knew it was coming. I, I knew that 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 the biopsy was coming, but I when I went in, I actually had the appointment before the Jamaica trip. The like the day before, I went into that appointment and I was getting prepped and everything. But when the doctor, the the nurse or whoever came in, and she was just like, "Okay, so after this, we're gonna go in." They told me about the needle and going in, pulling tissue, um, that I wouldn't be able to get in the um a shower or like the uh, salt water the pool. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. And she was, and I said, well, I might have to reschedule because that's what I'm planning to do. Everything you just said I can't do. <laughs> like, So I actually rescheduled that appointment out. It was like, I think I might have pushed it out two weeks because I had the Jamaica for a week and then I had an Alaskan cruise, literally back-to-back -back trips. And so I went on those two trips. I got back from the, the I went out of Seattle from the Alaska cruise. So that came back on a Sunday. My biopsy was on a Tuesday, that Tuesday. So, so while you're I, on these trips, I didn't think about it. I was just think about it. It wasn't on your mind at all. Okay. I was wondering, I have to know this it has nothing to do with the topic of our discussion, but where'd you go in Jamaica? Um, Jamaica, I went to a resort called hedonism too. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. So that was on my, like, just, a bucket from just being separated and um yep. you know just i was just that's, that's having that freedom yep. i knew that i wanted to do a few trips before i was going to try to work it out back with my uh you know my husband i was like you know what we're at a distance he want to give me this time away i'm gonna take full advantage and by the end of that year which was 2018 i was gonna work my way like just fix it you know go back and 
you know, just try to see, you know, mend everything. So, um, yeah, so I did Jamaica and Alaska in July and um, in September. Uh, September, I think, 18th was the biopsy, and September 27th is when I found out um, that I had cancer in 2018. Once you, once you came to terms with the fact that you, in, that you indeed did have cancer, um, what was your clinical diagnosis? They initially told me that I wasn't even stage one. They were going right. to do a lumpectomy, but I had, I had because of the insurance and everything, it, it, it looked like it worked out where I was going to, I opted to do uh, the double mastectomy and then the reconstruction surgery after I knew I was going to be able to get my breast back, you know, but they said it would be like a, a, a eight week gap in between of not having breasts to, and then depending on, and then they told me they didn't even really know my stage until they go inside. They were going to go inside. So I had, I was prepared. So September 27th, I found out I had cancer and November like 21st was the surgery to remove both breasts the same year. The day before that surgery, they called me in. I thought it was going to go over the prep again. They said that my CT scan had came back that showed that the cancer um, had was out of my breast, that it left the breast and went inside of my bones. And then they had mentioned that it was in my sternum and my pelvis bones and in my spine. I had lesions and that that I was stage four. Mm-hmm. So and then I was just like, what? Yeah. Wow. Another shocker right there, because like. And then, um, you know, my husband was in there with me and he, I saw him shed a tear before me. That kind of made me upset because he was like, I, I almost felt like he gave up like when he heard stage four because he had shed, like he cried before me and I like, and I was pissed, like not at that moment, but thinking about it, like, like when I, you know, but anyway, um, I was in shock because you know, September to November leading up to that time, I never even researched three or four. I was looking at one in stage two and I was seeing 90 and 80 something percent, you know, and I didn't want to look past that. You know what I'm saying? Like I never looked at three or four because I'm like, they told me I wasn't even touching one yet. Yeah. They really wasn't sure until they go inside it into the surgery, but they were like, don't worry. You know, it's just, I'm always believing these damn doctors with the don't worries and don't this and all they like, they fucking know and they don't know, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, I do. I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. So, so man, in a very short period of time, you go from ostensibly healthy, normal life. And now you are having both breasts taken. Now you have stage four bone cancer. This all happens pretty fast. Um, did you fall apart? Do you keep your life together? Uh, what well, was your experience like? They said they couldn't take the breasts and that I needed to start chemotherapy right away. And I didn't know shit about chemotherapy. I didn't know anything about chemotherapy. I'm like, what's that? I heard of it, but what they were like, we're gonna, yeah, they were like, you're young. You seem seemingly really healthy. We're gonna give you the. We're gonna treat this very aggressive, you know, because you can take chemotherapy. That's always fun. Yeah. So and I was just, I'm like, and and they were like, we're gonna try to get you in next week. I was like, what? So here I am trying to research that, figure that out. Then no, you know, you mentioned chemo to someone or cancer to someone, and that's another thing that was hard to when every time you mention it that you have cancer to someone the first thing that they tell you is about a story of a family member that passed away that died or whatever and like don't even tell me stage four don't even mention your stage when they ask oh what stage are you yep. oh because then it then and then they, researching they know they're going to do, do what i talked about up front when i was introducing you they're going to go into doom and gloom mode and man it's a choice isn't it how you're mm-hmm. going to how you're going to look at it and, and how you're going to treat it. And I, I want to hear about your chemotherapy experience. If you don't want, I want to tell you briefly, you know, for those who don't know what it is out there, I'm guessing most people do. It essentially is the injection of poisonous chemicals mm-hmm. into your bloodstream to kill cells. Now, if you have cancer, 
those cells are the weakest cells you can have in your body. It doesn't mean it can't kill you because we all know it can. But what happens is a byproduct of, of the chemo killing the cancer cells, it attacks other cells. That's why we lose our hair. Uh, that's why we get sick because the lining of our stomach. Now, uh, we talked about, you know, people really feeling what you went through, how bad it was. Um, for, for me, Benita, I, would, I had three years of chemo, pretty solid, almost nonstop, very, very high level poisonous, four different drugs, cocktail, mm -hmm. so poisonous. I had to have it as an inpatient. I could never be out because I had to stay hooked up to the IVs and hydrated and monitored and all that. And I went from, I was in high school, mind you, wrestling at the time. I went from very healthy, 125 pounds down to 85 pounds. I looked like a walking concentration camp survivor. I lost every single hair on my body, eyebrows, I mean, everything. Mostly, it attacked my stomach and my veins, though. And my veins constantly felt like they were on fire and that they were ripping from the inside out, from, from like hands down to feet. And the stuff was so poisonous for my stomach, I threw up literally 30 to 40 times a day. And, you know, after time one or two, there's nothing in there. So you're just throwing up your own guts, basically. And it felt like my stomach was also being stabbed from every direction at the same time. It was basically like living in hell, the entire, like a hellfire the entire time. Um, what was yours like? I, it was um, every other week. And it was the red, they called it the red devil juice, whatever. I don't know. It was, just, it was like a, um, the slow one they had to give you. And then the drip and it was just, it was just, and I lost every piece of hair and everything. But I think during that chemo time, I had to do like eight or nine or 10 sessions of it. I just know it was from like March to May, like, um, no, 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 I'm sorry. November to like March or something like that. But, um, that's when I went into like, oh my gosh, I have to get my family back, my husband back. So during that time, I had discovered through my sister because she had, you know, I, that he, um, she, I found out that he had another girlfriend and that during that time in our separation. And, and by that time we were already separated almost close to a year, you know, why but do you, I was, why do you feel you needed him back? I... When I found out I had cancer, that's when I was, cause I was already planning. I never thought I lost him. Even though we were separated, I thought like, okay, this is working out. Like we're getting along so great. Even though I'm like over here, he's there. I'm still staying in the house a few days here. And then I'll go back and stay over here with my mom. And you know what I mean? I had like a space over, you know, and, and the kids loved it. They would come here, hang out and I'll be over there. Like it was just, it, it was lovely for me and for him. Like we weren't, trying to it was it was it worked out but you know after i found out i had cancer i was like you know what i have to get back and like you know by that time he was in a, in a, a relationship you know with someone that he not was in love with or whatever but he found a connection with someone and i dealt with that more so i think i think that weighted heavier than the chemo and everything i pushed through it because I just, I didn't want, I was like almost in like competition mode when it came to another woman. I, and then I've never in my life ever compared myself to another woman when it came to him or whatever, because I was very confident within myself. But when I found out about this other woman, that's when I didn't have any hair. That's when I was going through the chemo and I lost all my hair and I was losing a little bit of weight. And like, I was like, video I think I, I'm a heavy journal like I journal through the throughout the whole entire time I journal started journaling like months before I got cancer my mom put a journal in my hand in July and I got can found out I had cancer in September so I never stopped so it was like perfect you know what I mean so um I have a whole bunch of journals but um so I mean, and, and, and I tried everything in that time. Like I, I pushed through the chemo and I, I like, and I didn't even really make it to the end of my, my, my term because I, I was breaking down so bad. Like I just felt like I was just dealing with so much emotional stuff when it came to my relationship portion and trying to get him back. Even though I felt like I had him back physically, I didn't have him emotionally. He was like, 
he was texting her in my chemo sessions. Oh, like yeah. he was gone. That's he a, was that's like feeling forced that he had to be there for me. That's how he was he was gone. And he still so um and 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 and, and I think like so anyway, after dealing with all the chemo and all that stuff like that, um, I, that summer, um, once the kids got out of school, I decided to jump in my car. I talked to my kids and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go visit some family in Georgia. Um, I have cousins and stuff like that, aunts and uncles uh, from my dad's side. On the way, my kids gave me the green light. Go ahead, mom, whatever, you know. I told them I'd write them, you know, like, but anyway, on my way driving to Georgia, Something was telling me, drive to California, drive to Cali, drive to Cali, drive to Cali, drive, like just go, like drive, you know, like. So I started plotting out my, like, I'm going to drive to California. I'm going to drive to Cali and back, and I can do this in two weeks. I'll just give myself a week to go. And a week to come back, I start YouTube and people doing it. And I bought a tent, you know, like the camp, you know, I bought the KOA membership, you I, know. I, I, before oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I Airbnb, you know, I stayed in like rented a room in people's houses so I wouldn't be by myself. I was never really by myself. Um at the KOAs was like you met people and it was just great. Um I I, I met a great family on that uh Alaskan cruise right before I found out I had cancer. So they had kept up with me throughout the whole time. Like you know, they knew about that I had a biopsy coming up. So I had stopped through to see them and I ended up staying with them like a whole month. They had oh, wow. all this stuff planned for me to do. And cause by that time they found out I had the can you know, cancer. And this is pre me finding out that I'm now in remission, but um, I didn't know that then. So they were doing so, we were like having a blast. They, they really, you know, laid out the red carpet as far as like, having me doing experiences like white water rafting and taking me into the mountains and uh, Boise and, and uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, which was like beautiful. You know, um, they took me to Yosemite National Park and through uh, Jackson Hole, like and Montana and Wyoming and all these different little patches of like beautiful little towns that, you know, we don't even think about in big cities in Miami and like LA and, you know, like, uh, New York, you know, cities and stuff like that. But, um, um, yeah. So I felt like that was just a beautiful, beautiful trip, a beautiful experience. Um, when I got back home, I did some CT scans, some tests and the doctors pulled me in the room and told me that they couldn't, they my cancer wasn't lighting up and that I was in remission. And, you know, initially that, that same doctor told me I would never really hear that word that I will always be fighting or treating my cancer. Um, you know, I will, you know, being, uh, treating my cancer. And, um, so I did have some tests done that showed that my cancer, I didn't have the BRCA gene where it was, you know, my kids that would go to the, my daughters, but I'm still going to, push for them to have tests early, um, exams early, just because of me. And um, they couldn't find cancer. Like they, they said it wasn't lighting up. And so I'm, you know, right now um, my cancer is estrogen driven. So I couldn't, I can't have any estrogen flowing through my body because they said it was fertilizing my cancer. Um, so they had to, I'm on a hormonal therapy right now so where I, and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Same, same stuff male bodybuilders take, right? Okay. Yes. So you're in remission. This all happened. It's kind of a whirlwind how, how this all went down. How, philosophically speaking, how do you think having cancer, hearing that you had the type of cancer you'd always be fighting, you'll never be in remission, now you are in remission, how did this whole experience change you or did it change you? Um, it has changed me. It has changed me. It's, it has changed me a lot. It has, I don't, I know that I don't want people to, I don't want to run around like, oh, I have cancer. Pity me. Oh, pity me. Like, you know, I, I show myself a lot on like social media doing things because 
I want to show people that, yeah, I have cancer, but I'm still out here like living life and still doing stuff. I'm not sitting here like boohoo me, like not to say, because I, I do have emotion. I am very emotional when it comes to, to it. And like, I'm still trying to figure it all out. I don't even think it really has hit me because I'm going through so many other things that it's just like, I'm still here and it's not, I'm not sick. I'm not, I don't feel sick. Um, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to give it life. You know what I mean? Because I have so much other stuff I want to do and I'm doing it. And and I just, so, but I'd still go to treatment. Um, you know, I go to treatment once a month for the hormonal therapy and I get scans every three months, uh, the CT scans and the bone scans. So right. let me know. And those, those intervals will become wider and wider apart. As they well. won't let, I, I just try to push for six months because I just did like three different three months. Okay. And um, they were like, okay, we'll do four. So, I mean. Well, you'll they, get to six months and you'll get to a year. Yeah. And then, and then you'll be like me. You're supposed to go every year and you forget and you go two and a half years later. So, um, <laughs> right. I'm shocked. Even if you forget, I, I, you know, I'm thinking they normally push for it because, you know, the doctors. Like I guess the I don't know, but um, it has changed me because um, you know, it's just um, I I realize that when you have cancer, that doesn't mean that someone's gonna want to take you back and want to take care of you. I mean, my husband, soon to be ex husband, you know, um, I I thought he was like my best friend, you know what I mean, and and um. Not to say I didn't do some things in the relationship to hurt him, or like we, I wasn't perfect and he wasn't perfect. And um, we're both like great parents. And, and, and I just, I think that's what hurts me the most with everything because I just feel like, you know, I, I thought like he would have just stopped everything he was doing just to be there for me. Uh, I feel like I really pushed myself throughout this whole thing because when people see me they don't see like a sick Benita. So like um good. I really haven't had anybody like to take care of me and I I, I don't want to ever get myself sick where I feel like I need someone to take care of me because how it's changed me is when I look around and I see people like they everybody's still living their life and they're moving and they're you know and um what I tell myself is if something was to happen to me and I wasn't here anymore, I'm sure they'll cry that day or, you know, up until my funeral, but everybody's going to go back into their life and, and continue to live their life. So I have to continue to live mine while I have it, you know? I, I think Benita that, uh my, my prediction is you're going to see some pretty big shifts in your life. I'm just, I'm really listening and taking this in and thinking about all experiences, mine and other people that I know. And I, I think the shifts that you're going to have are to be pretty profound and really powerful for you. I see it coming. Um, and I'm sorry, things didn't work out the way you wanted. Oh, to. sorry. I got emotional. Like it's just... No, get emotional. That's completely fine. Um, and I'm sorry. Things didn't work out the way you wanted to. Yeah. With, with your husband. But I think, and I don't mean to sound casual about this, but I, I'm sorry it didn't work out. I mean, I mean that I do. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you know, now after a 17 year investment, you put that kind of investment and you want it to pay off. I know that it's a huge disappointment, but I think you have to know now that it wasn't meant to work. Yeah. Which, which means there's something better out there. And, you know, as far as taking care of yourself, you, you have done that. And I, mm -hmm. you know, from my vantage point, what I know of you is you're a really good example of that. And, what I want to say is this, uh, you know, as far as future worry and getting sick again and having somebody there, like when, when I had cancer, I was young, I was 16 to 19. So I had my family there and I had a support system of friends. Um, and that support system makes a lot of difference, a lot of difference. But yeah. my last medical go around 2013 to 2016, where I was given a two month survival prognosis. This is not that long ago. I was by myself. I ended up um sick deathly sick on the verge living homeless in my car with my three pit bulls advocating for myself depressed 
drug addicted, the whole nine yards. I mean, a mess. And then I started this shift during it. And I'm like, I can do this. And things started to change drastically and radically. And I really started to do things for myself and advocate for myself. And I got to a point where the resentment or the bitterness of not having my friends or family there, it went away. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you what I know now and how I look back on it. I'm like, I'm in such a good place right now. You know, I don't have a significant other, but I feel like I'd be in a place where I, I feel so strong myself and who yeah. I am and where I am. That if I did, it'd be like perfectly complimentary. I know I can take care of myself now. Yeah. I know if I had cancer again, I know I'd have people now. But if I didn't, I know I could take care of myself. That yeah. leaves you in a way better position to have somebody in your life that has meaning, I think, than worrying about someone who doesn't even exist yet, maybe being there or not being there for you. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, that makes sense. A whole lot of sense. We don't want to go yeah, through that. Get yourself together as a whole. And once you become comfortable within yourself as a whole, you you know, that other person will compliment you. It's not like you feel like you need them. Like you shouldn't feel like you need anybody, you know? Right. And I'm trying to get myself there. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm still just, you know, going through and it. That's when, when I said a shift is coming, I know you're going to get there. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Some, sometimes you can't see it when you're in it yourself, you know? Yeah. I'm asking you to take a leap of faith and believe that it's coming. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. I write about it all the time, too. It's my journal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I would say this, you know, for people that will, will watch what we're doing today, once we post it, that, you know, people that are in it and don't have hope or have very little hope, that they're looking at two people right now, right here, that were supposed to be dead. And yeah. And that have hope. And, uh, you know, I think it's important. You know, I get a lot of my strength by being an example for other people because I, I want to show them what they can do for themselves and what can happen for them. And uh, I, I see you already as a very good example of that. I think you're going to uh, become stronger and stronger at that. So I wanted to say that. Mm -hmm. So what's, next? what's coming up that's fun? Um. I just, right now, my kids are playing, uh, you know, travel uh, soccer, and I love it. I love it, love it, love it, because it just, it helps me to get out and travel and just see and support them, and I feel like I'm there for them, cheering their number one fan, and it gets me out there taking pictures of them, spending time with them, um, you know, and it, it fills up the day. <laughs> on the weekends, you know. Are you the mom that like beats up the, the other parents and the referees? No, I'm the quiet mom, actually, that <laughs> just sits there and, uh, you know, just they see that I'm there. You know, we have our little thing they do. If they do something good, I always tell them to look for me. But, you you know, I probably look like one of those loud, crazy parents on the sideline, but I'm really, really, really quiet. I'm there with my journal writing stuff, and, like, a lot of the parents are like, are you – because you know my kids are really good they, they're thinking i'm journaling about my kids jer soccer journey and i'm just kind of like just writing little notes and things that they do out there and the time that they do it and because i feel like you know i have over like 20 something journals i feel like someone's gonna find it you know and they're gonna see it and the kids and it's very raw very raw like so um maybe yeah. you'll publish them one day who knows huh i don't know about it I just leave them. There's somebody will find them. Okay. All right. <laughs> you want to find them? You, you have all my travels are in there too. My cross country venture, like all my doctor's appointments, like just everything's in there. Just the good high times. I wish I had all of that stuff. What, um, where'd you go in Africa? I wanted to ask you that too. Um, so I went to South Africa. I, we uh, flew into Durban, and I so. My best experience of my life was in Durban, South Africa. Mm -hmm. Yes, go on. Yeah. So we flew into Durban. We rented a car. My mother and I went. And um, we drove to Johannesburg. And so we did some time there. And we went to a little town called Soweto. I remember that. Uh, Nelson Mandela's birthplace. Yep. So, it, yep. And so I went, we went to Nelson Mandela's, like, home where he stayed. I was in that yeah. same house. I know. Oh, yeah, the little house there. Yeah, little. Yeah. 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 And then um, it was perfect time that we went because it was his 100th birthday. So they were celebrating that 
there. So I got a lot of history during that time. It was like perfect, perfect timing for us to go. And so that was pre-cancer, you know, so I was able to do that trip with my mom. I booked the trip, so I booked it because it's a very, very long flight. I booked it where we had a layover in Dubai for 24 hours, yep. um, going and coming back. So going with the layover was at night. So we saw the nightlife of Dubai, how beautiful it was, lit up. Yeah. So And then um, we went to the mall. The mall was open to like 3, 4 in the morning. The huge mall they have there by the... Yep. I've been. It's amazing. How about that airport? Oh my god! Yeah, oh, the <laughs> airport. Yeah, it was just huge. It was huge. It was huge. It was huge. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then the heat was crazy. It was so hot. It was so hot. But um, yeah. So that was a good. So and then on the way back, um, the twenty-four hour layover in uh, Dubai was beautiful because I wanted the experience. I definitely wanted to ride the camel and do the go into the desert, do the dune buggy. So we got in some like Land Rovers and they did the little, my mom got so sick, <laughs> she was so sick. And then, you know, and then we rode the camel, took the pictures out there. So that was cool. Yeah, we did that. So any, uh, any adventures planned? Anything you want to do? What's coming up? Um, I haven't had the itch to like, you know, I, I love to travel, you know, but I, I just really, I know when it's time you know, I'll be ready. Um, I am looking to get a camper, like, you know, an RV to, to travel uh, domestically. Facebook. Yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to come to Hawaii, you know, you but. You Hawaii. It's awesome out here. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, that's on the bucket list, too. Definitely. Yeah, I have to make that trip. I just, funny. when I think about Hawaii from living in Florida, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be on that long flight. It's going to be a long, long, long flight. The whole day. South Africa, but it's still a trip. Yeah. But I'll get my day back. I'll get yes. my day back. So on the RV, here's what I want to ask you about. Not so yeah. much the detail of the RV. I love, I love that idea, by the way. So that's something like that you're looking forward to in life, right? Yes. Yeah. So when you were diagnosed with stage four, you're probably going to die of cancer. Could you imagine having looked forward to things like cruise in America in an RV? I didn't think I would get it in my car. If you would have told me that <laughs> that Benita was getting in her car and was going to drive from Florida to California and back through 25 states, I would have looked at you and like, I would, and by myself, solo. I would have been like, that's crazy. If you would have told me that on my birthday last year that I would be jumping out of an airplane skydiving in Las Vegas. I would have looked at you and like, Benita is not jumping out no damn airplane. Y'all crazy. Like, no, I did that. You know, I went to Daytona with my mom to a sewing convention. That's why I told you we were going through it. And I saw the slingshot. You ever seen the YouTube? Uh, yeah. They have a slingshot in Daytona on know. the water right there on the beach. I walked over. I left that sewing convention that was right there by the slingshot. And went out. I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'll be right back. I'm going to the bathroom. She was like, okay. And then I walked across the street and went on the slingshot and did that. You know what I mean? Oh, the yeah. pre-remission. Pre you know, so it's like, I did that. You know, and so I would never, ever, I would have been like, Benita, I'm not getting on that. Like, you know, so I've done some things. I've been very open to doing things because I already know the cancer is what, it probably is what's going to take me out. But I'm not gonna worry about it, you know. At least, I think to me sounds like this one way that it changed you. You're yeah, I know what I have, and a lot of us are dying. We are all dying, but a lot of us don't know what what's going on. I know what's going on with me, so I can live, and that can keep going on. I'm gonna keep doing this over here. I already know this is happening right here. <laughs> so that's how I move each day. All right, so. I want to challenge you now, people out there that listen to you. So you were sick, you were diagnosed, you probably weren't going to survive. And then you're out now after that, doing all these things. People out there that are in it think they're never going to do anything again. What do you have to say to them? I would say go out there and do as much as you can do, because I, I truly feel like that saved me, that, that saved me. Because it's just like once you get out there and start doing things, you realize there's so much more that you want to do and just keep doing it and, and don't let nothing stop you. Like, you know, just 
enjoy life because at the end of the day, if you were to die, all these materialistic things that we have around us, you can't take none of this shit like with you. It cannot, it's, you know? And then at the end of the day, how I think about it, who's going to be left here fighting over? So just kind of like, I'm very simple right now. I've minimalized my life. Very, <laughs> I'm very minimal. Um, I don't have a connection to things, materialistic things. Um, I'd rather save my money and, and spend it on experiences, yeah. especially, you know, just ex- doing things and getting out there. I love the outdoors. Um, and, and that's what's been working for me. And it's, uh, I, I look forward to uh, getting to um, be, be a passenger and witnessing your, your continued evolution here. I really do. Uh, I, I hope you see it, but I, I see you as in a really good place and getting better and better. And uh, please, please stay on the message boards. I mean, you'll, you'll continue to inspire people there and you know, that, that will, that will bolster your strength and your conviction for sure. And uh, man, it's just, it's really good to see you after, um, after corresponding on the phone and online, it's nice to actually see you. And yeah. I'm really glad we've connected and let's please, uh, let's please continue to build our friendship and, uh, and hold each other up. Yeah. Yes. I can do that. Sounds like a plan. Really appreciate it. We're at an hour. I know it's late your time. Thanks for doing it this late. Oh, yeah. These posts there. And, uh, Benito, you were wonderful. Thanks so much for, uh, being on our show today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'll talk with you soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and that's uh, Benito Butler from Florida, where it's 11 p.m. It's only uh, 5 p.m. here in uh, on Maui. Got the whole day in front of me yet. Um, yeah, I mean, moral of the story. You guys know I'm always, uh, you know, pounding the same thing in, but it's this. Even if you don't think so right this moment, there is always hope. With a slight shift of consciousness, there's always hope. Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough. Even though it's early, it's the end of a couple very long days for me. I'm going to go hang out with my doggies and uh, probably call it an early one. Take care. See you all soon. Aloha. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.